Brace yourself. Today we are joined by Dr. Allison, us, and Gabby to discuss the general pathway to specialization as well as her journey into orthodontics. This episode offers some valuable nuggets of information, so get those headphones on, sit back, and enjoy. As a dentist, you want to come into surgery just for the treatment and not have to worry about the infection control behind the scenes. When you hear your dental practice is getting audited for infection control, you look around your practice and think, would your practice pass as an audit? Single-use dental instruments is the solution to all your problems. Each time you open a pack of single-use dental instruments, your patient is getting a sterile set of new instruments that haven't been used on someone else. Plus, you get that brand new instrument feeling. Single-use dental instruments have focused on making quality, sharp metal instruments eliminating the wear and tear that you would face with reusable instruments. The single-use vision is to create a sustainable single-use instrument solution for dental clinics globally. The first step towards this is being able to dispose of the waste and minimise the environmental impact. The Smart Waste Program is a method of waste management that prevents 90% entering landfill, instead turning it into an energy source. So, make dental life easier, get started on your journey of single-use dental instruments. Visit www.singleusedentalinstruments.com for more information today. Hello everyone, my name is Al Sahib and I'm the Glenshub University Ads Rep for 2022. And today, this episode for the Ads podcast, Brace Yourself, we'll be focusing on pathways to specialization. And today we're joined with Dr. Alsen Saha. Hi, Dr. Alsen, how are you? Good, thank you. Yeah, and so just a little bit about Dr. Alsen. She says she's a very accomplished person. She is a, currently a specialist orthodontist practicing in Collins Street, CBD, and Templester. And she is highly experienced in clear aligners as well as in fixed appliances, graduating from the orthodontic training program at the University of Melbourne and completing her dental studies at La Trobe University, where she received the final year academic prize in dentistry. So hopefully everyone is excited as I am in learning and gaining that experience from Dr. Allison about how to specialize into such courses. And for our second speaker, I'm joined with um, Gabby Sargent, who is a third year dental student at La Trobe University as well, and is currently a third year representative for BOT, which is the Benegar or Health Net Society. How are you, Gabby? I'm good, thank you, Al. So we'll get the ball rolling then. So Dr. Allison, what made you inspired to get into orthodontics? And what, what made you wanting to do specialization? What appealed to you in orthodontics specifically? Thanks, Alz. Yeah, I was very fortunate to have a very warm and wonderful experience with my own orthodontist in my late teenage years. And this is really where my initial passion and, and spark to want to become an orthodontist stemmed from. My orthodontist was really warm. He was engaging. He made me feel so relaxed every time that I came in for the adjustment appointments. I remember him nudging my shoulder and giving me a big smile and he made every appointment so positive. And it was these firsthand experiences that I went through of being a patient and seeing the changes that happened to my own teeth and the changes that happened within myself as well in having the confidence to smile this is what initially triggered my interest in this field. And it wasn't until I studied dentistry and I was in my last two years of dentistry that 
I had my sights focused on wanting to specialise as an orthodontist. So after I graduated from dentistry, I worked as a general dentist in rural Victoria and I worked there for three years and I really enjoyed being a well-rounded general dentist in the area. However, I still felt this this burning desire to one day become an orthodontist. And so I looked at what I needed to do to specialise and I knew orthodontics was the main focus that I'd want to, to develop into and uh and so i i just um yeah followed that pathway and uh and undertook my training program and underdid the 3 years of the um DCD program there and i think the main things for me was that orthodontics spoke to me because of the treatment planning watching young children grow and develop and uh and having an influence on them at such a young age as well as well as the hand eye skills required such as arch wire bending and so forth uh, and also just the really positive and fun nature that clinical orthodontic practices bring to patients. And it was that sort of experience that I really want to make my everyday uh, working life um, uh, into from, from there forth. It really is inspiring how it was just that simple interaction between the orthodontist and you as a patient when you were a young kid that actually inspired you to take this path. Oftentimes you hear about patients saying how they've had such a negative experience about a dentist and it carries on with them for the rest of their lives. So it's really great to hear how like such simple interactions can often lead to such amazing outcomes. Yeah, it's so true, isn't it? And uh, and as a clinician, it's incredible how much of a difference people can make on not just that person's treatment, their experiences, but then also their career paths themselves. Uh, so, yeah, very much so. Having that sort of inspiration from my own orthodontist is uh, that where it all essentially began. Um, so I said in the beginning that um, you went to the University of Melbourne to complete their specialist training. So um, what was the process like of um, getting in and what did you do to prepare to um, for specialisation? Yeah, for me, um, the preparation of of specialization, it really came down to to three main things, and the first being the knowledge in the field. So I knew before applying for the the orthodontic program that I wanted to uh, soak up as much orthodontics as I could, and so I was reading textbooks in orthodontics, so um, contemporary orthodontics. Um, by profit is a very common one. Other textbooks as well I was reading to really soak up the knowledge um, before applying for the specialty training program, uh, as well as um, reading journal articles and uh, and other uh, programs and, and things that the ASO release. Um, so all these sort of background knowledge I think is also really helpful before um, applying for or preparing for the specialisation process. But also I was sitting in with other orthodontists. So I approached um, several orthodontists in my local area and uh, and asked them if I could sit in with them for just essentially just observation. And I found that was also really helpful because you get to see exactly what it's like to be an orthodontist, what the sort of patients are and the appliances are and the treatments are. And it really gives you a good understanding about what life would be like if you were to then step into their shoes. Um, but other things that I think is, is really useful that I did was I then spoke to other people who had recently specialised themselves and I found out, you know, what the sort of commitments would be to, um, to specialise in the studies and so forth. 
And that just allows you to essentially know what sort of requirement it would, would take, you know, um, you know, three year program and the amount of study and the time and so forth. Um, but I also feel like there's another two factors that helped me prepare and that's the personal factors and the financial factors as well. So the personal factors being, um, you know, where are the universities that actually hold the orthodontic programs? Where would I be willing or able to move to? Um, you know, discussing those things with either family or partners and so forth so that you can then discuss how you're going to now make this transition and make this move to the university if you were to be accepted. Uh, as well as the financial factors in preparing for specialising. So um, not many people talk about the financial factors, but it's often a three-year program and uh, and you may either get HEX help or you may have to pay your uh, university fees up front. So you want to factor in finances to be able to, to pay for these sort of courses. And the other thing is the three-year program doesn't really facilitate working as a general dentist. So you need to expect that you're going to have potentially loss of income for the next three years in doing the program. Uh, The other factors for finances are the upfront costs. So for orthodontics, you're expected to buy your own SLR camera, uh, orthodontic software, uh, laptops and equipment. And all these things are financial costs right at the very start of commencing the program. So I think in preparing for the specialisation, it really came down to those three things, getting all the clinical and the background knowledge, you know, um, speaking to people regarding the course and personal factors, willing to move there, and then also those financial factors in being able to support yourself for the next three years if if you were to be accepted for the program. Yeah, wow, that that definitely sounds like um, a big transition. Um, would you say that all the preparation you did helped you get in like in terms of the like sitting in with other orthodontists um do you do you have to like mention any of that in like interviews or anything or did that help you in any way yeah I'm not sure whether or not it held a lot of weight um perhaps it did uh I think having a good relationship with an an orthodontist can be favorable in the sense that um uh, I think as a personal perspective, it allows you to make sure that this is exactly what you're passionate about and what you're wanting to do. Um, and, uh, and potentially having good, uh, professional connections. You may also consider having some of these people as, say, referees for your application and so forth. Uh, so I think having background knowledge in orthodontics can be useful. Uh, but at the end of the day, in order to specialise, the university, they often want you just to be a really well-rounded uh, general dentist and that's that's the most important and key thing. So uh, I wouldn't suggest for people um, to be at, say, a specialist level before getting into the training program. That's definitely not the, um, the requirement, but uh, some of these other things can all help in uh, preparing yourself both mentally and, and also just preparing yourself so that you know what the specialization process would would require would would take of you yeah that that definitely sounds like a good tip else do you want to ask the next question yeah so you've talked about like a lot of the factors so you've got the personal factors um the factors of being like a well 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 rounded general dentist but often me and gabby as 30 students we often hear a lot of students talking about um grades as being a major factor in specializing what are your thoughts on this did this um happen to be a challenge for you or how do you go around about it Yeah, a lot of people do put, um, well, I should say, when you're a student, you put a lot of emphasis on 
on thinking that your undergraduate or, or postgraduate dentistry grades are the, the most important thing. Um, whilst having good grades is important, and yes, you do put forward your grades as part of your application process um, that you submit to the university. Uh, if you've got good grades, that's excellent. That will help. Uh, but if you don't have the best grades or you feel like there could have been some improvement, I'd really urge urge the people that are wanting to apply don't let that deter them. Um, I don't think that's the the only thing or the only main factor in in being accepted into the specialty program. If you've got good grades, great, put it forward. If you don't, don't let that be the main barrier for you then applying. If this is something that you're really passionate about or really want to undertake, then um, then definitely consider it. And that's because there's so many other factors and things that they look at uh, in accepting your application for the, the specialty training program. Very uplifting to hear, I mean, like such a positive note for this question, especially because as dental students, we often see ourselves like our grades as being very definitive of what we go and do at the end. So if we don't get the grade we want, we often get the feeling of it's being the end of the world. We can't do anything about it. So it's really important that someone like yourself, very experienced in the field, to let students know that it's not necessarily the end of the world. However, would you advise any courses or anything say that for example they might not get satisfactory the requirements say for example they didn't get the grades needed is there anything you would advise for them to do such as an additional course or how would you go about it yeah the um the next um i suppose academic merit that that's um that's used for your application is the primary exams so that's the exams that are run by racds uh and uh and that also holds quite a fair bit of weight with your application process. So let's say that your um, your dentistry degree marks were not as um, uh, promising or hopeful that um, that would have contributed to your, your application. Uh, if you had outstanding RACDS primary exam results, then uh, then you might find that that would actually say potentially outweigh your um, your your dentistry marks. At the end of the day, it's really more about being consistent and just persevering through it. That's what it really was all about, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. If this is something that you really want to do and and want to go off and specialise, then um, then put in the hard work and uh, and undergo the process. And don't let people tell you that it's not possible. It just might take potentially a little bit more time or a little bit more experience before you get in. So. Absolutely. It's a hard process. It's a, it's a competitive process. Uh, but if that's what you really want to do in life, you're bound to get there. So would you say that um, you found it was a big jump from finishing the specialty course and then um, going on to practice orthodontics? Like, would you say it was um, a bigger jump than graduating dentistry and um, practicing as a general dentist? Yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? I think um, both of those um, both of those two things, um, both general dentistry and then also the specialty training program, there is quite a jump for both of those um, transitions. Uh, I'd have to say that um, that the general dentistry one is a larger jump than the specialisation one, and I think that's because as a general dentist, when you graduate, you've 
a lot of the time you haven't necessarily seen a lot of patients, you haven't yet developed all these clinical skills and communication skills and so forth. And uh, and it's really, it's not just about the general dentistry knowledge, it's also about all these other factors that you have to put in towards um, uh, being part of this general dentist career now. Uh, whereas when you graduate from orthodontics, there's definitely a step up, uh, an exponential learning curve in, in applying all this knowledge towards, you know, clinical practice and, and how the practice works and, um, the appointments and so forth. Um, but you've actually, you've brought with you years of experience, both as general dentists, um, over all these, all, all these number of years about how to communicate with patients, how to present treatment plans, how to lead patients through a decision and so forth. So you're bringing with you a, a much a broader, um, experience base into then your specialty um, practice life thereafter. So I'd, I would suggest that the, um, the, the jump that you're all about to make uh, currently in the dentistry program uh, is going to be perhaps one of the harder jumps in your life. So uh, be, be reassured that the, that, that process is, um, is challenging, but you will get there. <laughs> that's a little bit daunting, but that's actually, it's, it's good to know that the, once you've kind of made that jump from being um, a student to a dentist that you know you've done that and you'll you'll take all that knowledge with you no matter um, where you end up so that's that's definitely reassuring absolutely regards to specialty course we talked about how much of a jump it was is there any regrets regrets regardless of how hard it was to get into is there anything you would have done differently if you were to look back at it yeah it's um it's interesting isn't it I um I look back now at, at the journey I've taken and Honestly, I have absolutely no regrets. I I think that um, it is a really competitive process. It is quite a long process from um, from the very start of dentistry all the way until the end of um, you know, graduating as a specialist orthodontist. All the steps that are required to get there. But I look back at the process now, and and there's absolutely no regrets that I have. I think um, if this is something that you're passionate about, that you want to do, that you want to spend the rest of your life in this particular professional career, go for it. Don't let it deter you and uh, and and be aware that it's a really fulfilling uh, career that you'll then be choosing in knowing that this is something that you've always wanted to do and that you're now living out that that dream that you've always had. So, yeah, there's nothing that I would really do differently in terms of my application process or, um, yeah, the, the choice to then specialise. Uh, yeah, so you definitely say that it's been one of the greatest experiences of your life, getting to the course and working hard for where you're at right now. Absolutely, absolutely. It's it's such it is a really intense program, and even leading up to getting into the program, it can be really challenging with um, uh, the primary exams and the interview processes and so forth. Uh, but I have zero regrets about it. It's such a fulfilling. Um, career path to to undertake and so uh, if if there's people out there listening that um, that they have equally the same burning desire to become a, a specialist in whatever field it may be uh, yeah I'd definitely urge them to do so because I'm sure they will be just like me and they won't look back with any regrets they'll they'll enjoy their their clinical practice every day like like I've I've been able to enjoy um what are the highlights of training yeah um 
the, there's so many highlights regarding doing a specialty training program. Uh, I think the um, a couple of the main highlights is that you have these really um, small class sizes. So there's often, say, well, in orthodontics, there's three or four students per year level, uh, a total of about 12 students across um, the three different year levels. And so you do a lot of these tutorials and teaching all together across these 12 students. And as you can imagine, it's quite a, a difference um, in the sort of learning style that you have compared to, say, general dentistry, where you, you might have very large um, class volumes and so forth. Uh, and so it's all these really intense tutorials that you hold that you then teach each other and you debate out topics and you have a look at the literature and you, you try and use all the literature to support a particular um, argument or topic. And it's this really intense program that you go through and yet it is so rewarding as the program develops because you've got these really wonderful um, uh, bonds that you then form with these other students uh, during this this process that you go through. And it's these peers um, that you that you work with and study with and so forth that really is one of the great highlights of the um, of the program itself. Um, but the other main highlights is the absolute um, collegiality that gets extended to you that um, that's immediate the moment you sign up to one of these university training programs. And, and that's the orthodontic profession as a whole. It's like this wonderful warm family and everyone just embraces you and they're willing to open their doors and they're willing to teach you and they're willing to support you through this process because they know how uh, how demanding and how competitive and how challenging the, the training program is. And so you're suddenly embraced by this whole family of orthodontists across Victoria um, and it's a really wonderful highlight of the, um, the training program itself. Um, and, uh, and the other great highlights of the, the training program is um, that you've already qualified as a dentist. So you're doing clinical patients and seeing patients from essentially the very first you know, couple of weeks of the orthodontic training program. So you're bringing with you this depth of experience and maturity into your clinical practice and you're being supervised by other orthodontists as you're doing it. So you get to really enjoy um, working essentially as a um, as a student under the other orthodontist but it's um it's got a different feel to it because you you are actually qualified as a dentist as well during that process and um and the other thing is you get so many clinical demonstrators that will come take time out of their practice to come supervise you so you get this full breadth of um of of people and clinicians coming to teach you all their different techniques and uh, and that's a real strength of um of the program is that you get to see so many different ways of doing things and uh, and you then get to take that forward into your own profession and uh, and work at how it is that you'd like to treat treat patients but having this full full spectrum of other clinical experiences being being given to you behind you so yeah, there's so many highlights to the program and uh, it is a very demanding and uh, intensive program, very early mornings and late nights and uh, it's constant study for the three-year program. It's uh, it's definitely one of the, the mo most hardest things that I've gone through, but it can be and it is such a rewarding process in, in uh, all these other positive aspects that come out of the program. Great, and it's really assuring for like, at least from my perspective to hear that You've always got that support wherever you go. It's you're never and like at any part of the journey, you're never left alone to figure things on your own. You've always got whether it's your friends, your clinical demonstrators, always there to give you a hand when you need it. 
You are spot on. That's exactly what it is. It's a it's a challenging process, but you've got this lovely safety net all the way around you of people that are willing to support you through the process. Um, the highlights. Uh, I think Gabby wants to have a question now in her mind. Um, yeah, I, I heard that you mentioned before about, I think you said they were the RACDS exams. Um, so would you just be able to elaborate on what those exams like involve? Yeah, yeah, of course, Gabby. Yeah, these exams, they're really important. So um, they're called the primary primary exams and you're exactly right. They're by RACDS. And, uh, and so I'll just run you through a little bit of how that all um, is formed. Essentially, they're, um, they're six written and six oral exams, and they're held at the end of the year around that November, December time. And the exams are over six different, essentially scientific-based topics. So they're on anatomy and cell biology, biochemistry, histology, you know, microbiology, pathology, physiology. So they're on all these different six topics. And um, if you're wanting to specialise, these are considered, um, you know, the essential requirements for your application process. And so you sit these exams and um, and what, what they are is, um, I've mentioned how there's six written, six oral exams, but in order to prepare for these exams, you can buy course material from RACDS and that's this big booklet that also helps to guide all your learnings for these exams. But what I would really highly recommend for everyone is to sit what's called the orientation course. And that's 60 hours of CPD. It's held over two weeks around that mid-year, around that July period. And it's traditionally held in Sydney. And in my opinion, if you're wanting to sit the primary exams and you want to do well at them, I'd highly recommend sitting this orientation course. It's a preparation course for the exams and they go through all the content that's absolutely essential for the exams themselves. And the other piece of advice that I have is that some people rush into doing these exams the moment they graduate. And what I would suggest is it's actually much better not to rush into sitting the exams. It's much better to do the orientation course, take the time to prepare for these exams and really aim to do well at them. Don't sit them unless you've really focused your time on preparing for the content. Because the way that these exams work is essentially everyone that sits them is across all of Australia, New Zealand, Asia and Middle East. So you've got all these highly intelligent people all sitting these exams once a year at the same time. So it's a very competitive exam process. And the way that the results work is you either get a pass or a fail for each of these six subjects that you sit. But there's also a couple of awards that are given out. And this is the key bit. So if you're the ducks of the entire cohort, then you get what's called the Christensen Memorial Prize. So that's given out to one person. But if you get over 70% in a particular subject, and that's in four, 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 five or six of the subjects, you get what's called commendations. And that would be key to putting forward a really great application for a specialty training program application. If you can get these commendations, um, then that says to the university that you are, you know, uh, of good academic standing to be able to take on the requirements of the, the training program. So these primary exams, they are challenging. There's no doubt. There's a lot of content and it's very heavy content. And it's probably one of the most demanding um, programs that I have done. And many would say the same. Um, but 
um, that would be the, the process that you would you'd look at taking um, if you're wanting to specialise. Yeah, wow, that definitely sounds, um, that sounds a little bit hectic, but that orientation course um, um, sounds very helpful. So is the, are those exams the same for each specialty? Like there's no specific ones for orthodontics, like just all specialties would take them and then apply to their courses? You are spot on. That's exactly right, Gabby, is that everyone that's um, either wanting to further their education as a general dentist or wanting just to have further CPD and knowledge, or anyone that's actually wanting to apply for any specialty training program. So orthodontics, endodontics, prosthodontics, OMFS, whatever it may be, everyone that's now considering specialising uh, would all undergo these um, these exams. And as I mentioned, it's um, it's it's not just per um, city or state or country. It's uh, you know there's a global aspect as well to the um, the the nature of the people that are sitting the exam. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's across all disciplines. Yeah, wow. So those those awards must be. I mean, really great if you get them, if it's if it's um, global. So I think, Alice, do you have um, another question? Thanks, Gabby, for asking that great question and giving us actually the insight about the preparation needed for the RCDS exams. What I actually want to talk about is your experience outside of Australia. So I can see that you've worked in Southeast Asia. Can you give us an insight into how that was for you and how much of an eye-opener was that? Um. Oh, Al, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm, I've not worked in Southeast Asia before. Oh, sorry. I must have been confused. Um, the Southeastern group? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yes, yes, yes. I must have confused it for other countries. Yeah, that's, that's... No, no, not a problem at all. Um, yes, yes, yes. Um, yes, I was, um, uh, I worked in Southeast, um, Victoria, uh, which is, um, rural Victoria and, uh, and that's an area called Gippsland. And, uh, and yeah, so the, the Southeast group is, um, uh, a specific group there that, um, that, uh, that I was involved with and, uh, and I was chair of the committee down there for the um, Australian Dental Association. And uh, so, yeah, some really great highlights in, in working in rural Victoria. There's no doubt at all. It's, uh, um, you know, patients uh, really are very thankful for the treatment and, uh, um, and uh, many times there's not great access to specialists and, and other care. So they really look to their general dentist for, um, for, for guidance and support and, uh, and advice. And uh, it can be a really rewarding experience for sure. I know linking it also to working in, in rural areas, you worked in three years in Warragul, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. You yep. mentioned early on. And how did you feel? Did that give you an advantage when coming into Melbourne and studying as an orthodontist? Yeah, I think um, I think it did. Uh, for me, going back to my hometown of um, of Warragul and working there for three years, I think it did give me a couple of advantages in the sense that um, I had a lovely network of people around me that um, were all happy to come see me as patients. So the moment that I, I returned back to my hometown and started working there, uh, I was very fortunate to then have quite full books, uh, appointment books from early on, and that meant that I was able to give back to the community, but also uh, it meant that I could really broaden my, my general dentistry skills as well quite early on, and uh, and I think that was of, of great benefit um, as well. Uh, but what I would suggest is, is for the specialty training program, 
Um, it doesn't necessarily matter where you where you work. Um, something that that has been suggested in the past is it's actually more important about um, uh, getting good mentors that you work with, and that can be really helpful in in making sure that you um, consolidate consolidate all your general dentistry knowledge. But also, it can be really important to try and stay in the same job for a couple of years. And what they suggest is that by working as a general dentist in the same job, and that could be public or private or whatever it may be, um, by continuing to stay in the same job, you're then seeing those patients trying to do your very best to, you know, go through disease management and prevention, uh, continuing to see them for recalls. But you also get to see the, the successes and potentially also the failures of your own clinical work. Um, so if you're thinking about specialising, also consider about the sort of job that you're wanting to undertake when you graduate as a dentist. And if you're happy with the sort of mentorship and the position that you're in, um, I think that would be important to try and avoid chopping and changing jobs all the time because it, it allows you to um, to see the outcomes of your own clinical experience and your own clinical work. Um, and, yeah, that can that can definitely be key as well. Um so um, I think the other factor that uh, may be looked favourably upon is um, uh, working a little bit of both public and private. If you were to get given those sort of opportunities, it gives you a good um, broad perspective over both both areas. And if you also get the um, the opportunity, also being involved with some undergraduate teaching. And uh, and I found this very rewarding as well. I, when I graduated, I went back and taught at La Trobe University, both for preclinical and for clinical sessions. And you're giving back to the profession, you're giving back to the students, but um, it can also be, and it is, a really rewarding thing to do when you graduate to, again, be able to explain things to, to someone else um, and, uh, and again, um, consolidate your own general industry knowledge as well. So some of these things, I think, um, in addition to working in Warrigal, uh, some of these other factors, I think, can be looked favourably upon. For that, so seeing that for me, it was so learning from that, I feel like it's a point to give back to community, like using that knowledge and just giving it all back just um, as a rewarding side and feeling like you're fulfilling something. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think you've got to enjoy what you do. And uh, and for everyone, that might be different things. Some people may prefer to, um, uh, you know, get involved with other community groups or um, go overseas for other clinical experiences and so forth. So whatever it is that that speaks most to you and, and that you want to do, I, I definitely, you know, I'd encourage everyone to to follow those sort of um those sort of desires and so forth. Um, but yeah, if you if you are looking into specialising, I think having both um a little bit longer period of time in one job can be um a really favourable thing to making sure that you're a well rounded dentist before becoming um, a specialist. Okay, so yeah, that makes a lot of sense and just gives a good direction for those who are keen in specialising and how to approach their career opportunities. So I think Gabby wants to ask a question about the changing technology in orthodontics. Is that right, Gabby? Yeah, I think we've got time for one more question. Um, I've just um, recently been really curious about um, what you think the future of orthodontics is with um, the rise of all of the like clear aligner companies that aren't like necessarily orthodontists themselves. But so what do you think the future of uh, orthodontic orthodontics is with um, like co- coexisting with those companies that also do their clear aligners? 
Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, they've definitely started to take take off in the last couple of years, but my personal opinion is that they will find sort of their own little niche market within orthodontics uh, because what we know about some of these um, sort of companies is they don't have many of the features that we can offer in clinical practice such as, um, say, attachments or interproximal reduction or elastics or all these other things that we use with aligners themselves. So perhaps they're going to be um, fitting into this niche market of patients who either have poor access to care or very and or very mild um, malocclusions that are requiring to be treated. And I think they'll sort of drop into that sort of category and uh, and perhaps they'll stay um, as part of that sort of total um, scope of um, the orthodontic spectrum. Um, but, um, but yeah, I suspect orthodontics itself, it's changing. And uh, we've definitely seen that in the last couple of years, nevertheless, with uh, more digital technology and uh, remote remote monitoring and so forth. Um, so the industry itself is definitely changing as a whole. Um, but as for direct-to-consumer, I, I suspect it's... Um, yeah, it's only going to potentially form just a small, small part of uh, of the patient demographic. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense, especially because there's always going to be like more complex cases that, um, like the Invisalign and the other companies just wouldn't, um, like I just like the Clear Alliance, I just wouldn't be able to fix. So that's good to know that there's always going to be um, a need for orthodontists. I think so, Gabby. I think you're exactly right. And I think mm. patients still value seeing a specialist and uh, and I think patients still value seeing a clinician as well to know that their their treatment is um, is being overseen and being directed and so forth. So uh, I think, uh, yeah, I don't necessarily think it's... Um, uh, it's going to endanger the the profession as as a full species, but um, but it's definitely something that we need to make sure we continue to advocate for, so that patients are not misled to believe that you know that uh, that this is of of equal treatment for all treatments. It's actually been interesting seeing the direction of orthodontics into the future. So once again, that's all the time we have today. So thank you, Dr. Alsa, for your time today. I imagine you had a pre-schedule today pretty busy schedule today. So thanks and thanks again for finding some time to have a chat with us. Fantastic. Thank you again for the invitation to come and speak. I really appreciate it. And I wish everyone all the very best if they're choosing to undertake the process of uh, um, specialty training programs. Given their great insight, very detailed, very thorough. I think when students hear this, they'll, they're pretty sure like for me, what I found is that very got a set mindset on what to do, at least if I ever come to dot specializing. So thanks for that. And thank you, Gabby, for joining us today. Hopefully you've learned as much as I have today. I have. Thank you so much, Alice, for organizing it.